0: You found the best place for quality Internet talk around the clock and around the world. TalkZone.com.
1: Thank you very much for staying with us. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Our guest today, Janice T. Connell, who did a tremendous amount of research to learn about the spiritual journey of George Washington. So we're going to talk
2: on the rules of civility, and I just want to say a few of the rules. These rules were to form the authentic spiritual person. So there are rules by which you govern yourself by to act appropriate in life in general. I notice we're a little looser these days than back then. Some of that might be good and some of it definitely isn't as good. Uh, Another one is mankind is God's servant. Have you ever thought of that? We're not here to go, I want this, give me that. I want my time, my way, me, me, me. No. Mankind is God's servant. It's like God leads leads the dance, and if we will follow the dance and let him lead, it'll be quite a dance. Another one of the rules of civility in general, it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, you know, that's simply a law of life. And then one more before we get Janice back in here is, live not for self, but for the good of all. You know, that would really work. And you live for the good of all. And what happens? They embrace you. They like you. They want you. And there's good fellowship that can grow. And it's like a, it's like a fire or a flood. It can just grow more and more and more because it is very, very fulfilling and pleasing to be uh, good brethren and sisters to one another, um, supporting one another and making it a better world. Anyhow. Anything to say on this, Janice?
0: Yes, I think you really pointed out some wonderful rules here. When you think of what happened on 9-11, my husband and I happened to be in, in that part of the world at the time that 9-11 happened, and it was phenomenal to see people take to the streets to give blood, to give blankets, to do what they could to lay down their lives to help their brothers and sisters who were harmed at 9-11. So, that's the golden rule for the United States. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you.
2: Yeah, that's a good one, too, huh?
0: Yes, and, and there's another rule that I like that is that is wonderful. It says, use no reproachful language against anyone, neither curse nor revile. I think that would go a long way in this country if, our, if all people in public life would take that to heart.
2: Well, is is that simply the language of cursing, or is that uh, harsh criticism, yes, both?
0: Yes, both. Mm-hmm. Anything that would hurt another person. We've become hurtful in our speech.
2: Well, you know, I notice it's a combination of, uh, I would call it loving kindness and honest truth. And, you know, sometimes honest truth means you're not going to say the flowery thing somebody wants to hear, but it needs to be said for the correction to happen.
0: But George Washington would have insisted that when that situation occurs, that you bring the person in in private and do it as kindly, as gently as possible. You, you and know, never embarrass them in public. That's,
2: that, that's right. You know, it's like undue embarrassment, I think, is an ego a smallness. Saying the truth and trying to get that out clearer, you know. I think it comes down to more and more being egoless. If you're egoless, you know, where you've managed your your ego and you you've you've developed, you know, a good, honorable, and kindness about yourself, then you know you won't unnecessarily tear people apart. However, for the goodness of everybody, you will. Uh, search for the truth and, and expose things and find the right the right truth and the right behavior.
0: That's very wisely put, and I agree with you.
2: Yes. Um, George Washington had universal appeal. He was just like extraordinary. And here's some of his prayers. I I just think this guy was really something. This is some of his prayers. A great man, you know, all through his life he had prayers like this. Open the eyes of my understanding. Another one is, help me to thoroughly examine myself. Another one is, increase my faith. Like, please increase my faith. Another one is, purge my heart by the Holy Spirit from the dross of my natural corruption. And a lot of us these days, I notice that we don't realize that we have our animal flesh and self-centered ego that we must overcome, or it. we think some of its dictates and um, impulses are right action, and actually our animal flesh and our self-centered ego not tamed like a horse, not harnessed right, Uh, are the wrong instincts and
1: take us astray. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up one show at a time. Uh, Today we have with us Janice T. Connell, and she's written the book The Spiritual Journey of George Washington. So you want to
2: say more on his prayers, Janice?
0: Oh, yes. He was such a humble man. I, I must admit, when I found these prayers... I would, I would make the, this unequivocal statement that anyone who would pray any one of these prayers, by the way, they were found in George Washington's own handwriting, any one of these prayers that we would pray with a sincere heart every day would change us. And if we, even if it was one person at a time, it would bring this nation to the highest pinnacles. These prayers are that beautiful and that deep and that, that all-embracing for mankind.
2: Well, they are really pure, aren't they?
0: Oh my yes.
2: And, and you know, you know, sometimes you can get so pure that you're obnoxious or you're way off balance because you're a fanatic in this. These seem to be like part of the natural bread and butter that life is made out of. How life really works.
0: Oh, it's amazing. There's nothing. There's nothing um, superficial about them. There's nothing saccharine sweet. They're just. The depths of a humble man before God.
2: Yeah. Boy, that is touching to me, I must say. And he had a life, and it started pretty early on. Like at age 16, it said he set goals and achieved his his ambitions. One of them at 16 was, and I find in the work I do, this is incredibly valuable, he learned to write swiftly and clearly. I hope it was legible, honey, because you missed that part.
1: <laughs> it's clear to me, honey.
2: <laughs> so uh, do you have any more of these um, goals that he set that he accomplished that offhand?
0: Well, yes. He, ac- he His prayer was to, to know the will of God and to obey the will of God to the highest level of service his human life was possible to achieve. And I thought it was so interesting. I don't know if you saw the part in the book about the miracles that followed him. He uh, was, by the way, at a time when the average man was 5 feet 7, George Washington was 6 feet 4 inches tall. So he was very large, and he he could have been an easy mark in, in all the battles. Well, he went into the Battle of the Monongahela, As a young man, I believe he was around 22, 23 at the Mm -hmm. time, and he had a huge, big horse because, after all, he was such a big man. During that battle, he had two horses shot out from under him. He just simply grabbed his um, musket or whatever he was using, whatever weapon, got back on his horse, and that's when the Native Americans who were fighting with the French were really determined to take him out. And the orders were given to all the braves, to get the big man on the big horse, yeah, and they couldn't kill him. And when word got back that his horses were shot out from under him, and that he had bullet holes through his the front of his uniform and the back of his uniform and through his hat. And by the way, when I read that in the um, record. In the two hundred year old record. Yeah, I had a hard time believing it. I'm an attorney, and so you know, I like facts, and I like yep. to make sure the facts are proved.
2: Well, that's good to hear.
0: I had an opportunity to go to Valley Forge, where his jacket from that battle happened to be mm-hmm. on display, and I literally saw, as ancient as they are, two hundred years ago, the bullet holes. I saw his handwritten letters, and I think they're still online. I believe you can see these handwritten letters of George Washington online where he wrote to his brother that by all the divines of providence, he should have been killed in that battle. But for some reason, he wasn't, and he couldn't understand it. And that's when people began to understand the destiny that George Washington had. And so a legend began to grow around this 22-year-old man. And rather than becoming more proud that he was spared, this humbled him the depths of his soul when he saw how the hand of Providence the hand of God was on him and others began to notice. This is why it was just the only thing to do to elect him unanimously the first president of the United States, the esteem that other men had for him, the humility that George Washington had about the the, the destiny of this country, yep. this nation that these men were called to serve, and they understood they were called to serve.
2: Isn't that amazing? So he had two horses shot out from under him. This is one battle. I think it was a 24-hour long battle.
0: Exactly. He and, was in battle for 24 hours.
2: And this man had dysentery the whole time, a bad case of dysentery. Isn't that right? Yes. He, he had come down it? with
0: a terrible dose of this. And he went to the battlefront in the back of a wagon reading the Old Testament about warfare and the prayers of King David, the prayers of the warriors of the Old Testament. And he knew that faithful obedience to daily duty brings down the blessings of Almighty God on a country. And he was terribly sensitive to the concept that we call down blessings on our country, blessings on our work, never call down anything negative because then it's a boomerang and not only do you call it down upon others but it comes back to destroy you. So Washington was terribly careful with that.
1: You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber helping humanity wake up one show at a time Monday through Saturday 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern right here on CRN. We are listening about the wonderful George Washington, father of Our country by uh, Janice T. Connell wrote the book, The Spiritual Journey of George Washington. One of the
2: accounts is that uh, an Indian was 15 steps away from George Washington, raised his gun, shot him square in the face, and the bullet went up and hit his hat, didn't touch his face. Uh, When you saw the coat in Valley Forge that was in this battle, how many bullet holes did you see in it?
0: Um, it's an old coat now. I saw two.
2: Okay.
0: And the interesting thing is there are several bullet holes. Two, I think, in the hat. Okay. So the fact that it hit his that it hit his chest and didn't didn't touch him. He didn't have any armor on <laughs> under that. Yep.
2: Yeah. Well, you okay. know, you know, uh, 15 steps away, the Indian shot him, and and he just Washington just dusted off the powder off his coat. Went over and pulled the guy up and said, "I'm just a guy," and the you know uh, the Indian had utter respect, just like you you or I would. Um, well,
0: actually, the Indian was so terrified. That he thought George Washington was a god because he couldn't kill him, and Washington had a wonderful sense of humor. He saw this quaking Indian kneeling before him, and, yep. and it hit his funny bone. as Strange as the situation was, and he said, he grabbed him by the shoulder. He said, "I'm I'm just a man like you. Don't get up here. You know, don't do that."
2: You know, most people when they're worshipped or uh, limelighted, they their ego starts going off the scale. And he almost went opposite. Which he did is,
0: go the opposite way.
2: You, you almost have to because uh, you know to keep yourself moral
0: well it was he was so aware of the hand of God on his life. He was yes. spare death so many times. I remember as a little boy he saw his stepsister die when he was just a wee little boy and then his dad died when he was 11 he then he he gave all his love to his elder stepbrother Lawrence who had married Lord Fairfax's daughter so that was a very fine marriage for right. his stepbrother. Yep. Yep. And that's where George Washington learned elegance and refinement and the beautiful homes. And, of course, Lord Fairfax was the largest landowner in Virginia. So this was a very good thing for the family. But, again, his brother came down with illness, his older brother. And George Washington had to nurture and care for his older brother as he got sick and died.
2: So then, so the...
0: Washington lived in humble awareness of the that every action of our life on this earth counts. Yeah.
2: So uh, Washington inherited all that huge estate then?
0: No, he really didn't. The wife of Lord Fairfax did. Uh, sorry, his brother's widow inherited all that. Okay. And so George leased he always had to work for a living. He never got any money. He, he was basically a, not a poor man, but he was uh, modest in means. And so his first job was a state job. For this for the colony of Virginia where he was a paid surveyor so he'd have some money in his pocket. and then he had a job as, as a military man so he'd get some paychecks right. for that and then he started to save all his money he was very frugal by nature and he tried to buy land because he understood that farming was how one eats and so he'd buy as mu- any extra money he had, he would purchase land. Then when his brother died, the widow, his brother's widow, Got all the money. She was the daughter of Lord Fairfax. Mm-hmm. So George leased Mount Vernon from her. I see. And he had a leasehold interest, which means it was as good as his life and the life of his wife. This is why the slaves, who he had 300 slaves, they came with the estate from the Fairfax family. I see. And they were many generations there. And if George Washington had freed them, which was his instinct, they had no place to go and no no money. Right. He did something very clever for the slaves, but I I admire him so greatly for what he did. He turned Mount Vernon. He was trying to set an example for the other
2: mm-hmm.
0: slave owners in Virginia and in the and the southern colonies to say, look, these are God's children. You cannot you cannot own them. And they didn't know how to read and write. They had no occupation they could do except the farming for a for an overlord. So Washington had Martha Washington, his wife, teach them, teach the children to read and write, which was against the laws of Virginia. Yeah. And then the next thing he did was teach each of them a trade. And he ran Mount Vernon like a village where every man's opinion counted on a very small scale. And upon Martha's death, all these slaves were freed. Now, the old ones didn't have any means to go anywhere, so he, out of his own money that he had left, which was not a great deal, he left money to support them in their old age.
1: Okay, we've got to take a break. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves and Janice T. Connell, author of The Spiritual Journey of George Washington. Stay with us.